Women on the Rise is supported by The Riveter. The Riveter is a modern union for working women, offering content, community, and work and gathering spaces, all designed with a focus on women and work. The Riveter has been my work, community, and home for the last two years. Countless collaborations and friendships have come from my post-event chats and kitchen conversations with my fellow Riveters. Ask anyone at The Riveter Fremont, I like to hang out in the kitchen because there's chocolate there. Equity of opportunity should be a reality, not a promise. Visit theriveter.co to learn more. And by Armoire. Do you love variety but hate the clutter and expense of new clothes? That is totally me. So I use Armoire, a clothing rental service for today's boss lady. Armoire gives me access to designer clothes I can exchange on my schedule for a flat monthly fee. I get access to a guilt-free flow of new clothes without the hassle of shopping or dry cleaning. Best thing ever. Women on the Rise listeners can try Armoire today for $100 off your first month using code WOTR100. That's WOTR100. Visit armoire.style to get started and use that discount code. It helps the show when you do. There's even a link right in your podcast player in the episode notes for easy access. When we walk in wonder and we open ourselves up to enchantment, we notice what we're moved by. We notice what sends the shivers up our spine or makes us stop and like gasp in amazement. And we notice all these things that really evoke emotions in us. And when we do, we become more sensitive to what we like, what we're drawn to and what we're about. And I think that provides a lot of clues to who we are as a person and what matters to us. Welcome to Women on the Rise. I'm executive and lifestyle coach, Lara Dolch. And each week I talk to thriving women about the practical self-care strategies they use to fuel their success and pursue what's most important to them in their careers and lives. We get real about topics like healthy living, sleep, stress, time management, happiness, mindset, and leadership, while busting myths about work-life balance and being perfect. My goal each week is to uncover new insights that you can immediately apply to your work and life to recapture your momentum and achieve your big dreams now. Hey, Women on the Rise, happy March. I can't think of a better way to kick off the spring than with a chat with artist Amy Wan. Amy and I met a few years ago in a business group, and I've been enchanted by her art ever since. Through her paintings and her new wonder walking deck, she gives us the tools to get outside and literally blaze our own trail. Amy is an artist, nature lover, and wonder seeker, creating art and tools to enchant the everyday. She's deeply inspired by the natural world, mythology, and labyrinths. Through her art and other offerings, she inspires us to embark on wonder-filled adventures that sharpen our senses, fuel our aliveness, and renew our enchantment with life. We talked about how Amy creates a sense of enchantment in her artwork and how she helps us experience wonder in the real world, how raising money on Kickstarter to produce her wonder walking deck helped Amy connect with her mission as an artist and entrepreneur in an unexpected way. The courageous decision that pushed Amy onto her path as a full-time artist. And how inertia gets in the way of Amy practicing self-care. And how her wonder walking deck might help you move your body even when you don't feel like it. I can personally attest to the power of Amy's work to inspire a shift in perspective. I tell a story about it during the interview. If you're itching to look at your life a little differently or simply shake off the winter blahs, I know you'll love my chat with Amy. 
So, you know, Amy, I was drawn to your art when I first learned about you. I was drawn to your art because of its fantastical elements. You know, I grew up reading The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings and The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe and (laughs) all of the things, right? Uh And of course, Harry Potter as an adult. And your art so reminded me of those enchanted worlds. The first thing I want to ask you about is, this is more of a technical art question, but how do you capture that sense of enchantment in your work? Well, that's a good question because the way I make my art sort of changed like midway through the past 10 years of my sort of creative career. And it, it was always about enchantment anyway. But in the past couple of years, I felt like I was getting really tired of working off a of reference. In the older days, I would take a picture that I like and then like, a, a you know, woods or hills. And then I would sort of like recreate that, but in my own way. And then it was such a tedious way to start because I had to go look up pictures on Pinterest and collect them and then sort of like try to get all the dimensions correct, you know, to get it to look like a real tree or look like a real hill. And then it was just really tedious. And so about a couple of years ago, I started painting more intuitively. So they were sort of like mood paintings. I call them mood paintings because I would just basically like spray and splatter and pour paint on my my watercolor paper and let it move around. And then I would sit and look at it when it's dry to see what kind of worlds would emerge. So sometimes I'll see woods, I'll see trees and and they sort of kind of come up from the painting. Does that make sense? Yeah, I love that. And I feel like that process makes the landscapes and the scenes a lot more enchanting than they would if I had just tried to painstakingly draw them out (laughs) in the way I work anyway. So I feel like that definitely contributes to the process because there's an element of that you can't control. And a lot of the way the paint reacts, it makes it more ethereal, more magical, I guess. And and so a lot of it is out out of my hands. (laughs) And then I would just try to sort of, based on my imagination, just kind of pick the details out of it. That has been my process for the past couple of years. And I I think it it helps with that feeling. Well, What I'm hearing is that part of the process of creating the art is observing and seeing what you see, which is, you know, part of what you're encouraging us to do in terms of finding wonder in the world. And so I love that your process is very tied to that. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I have, right? yeah, it is it is very tied to that. Yeah. It's sort of like you're you're following the same process that you encourage us to follow, and we'll talk more about that in a minute, in actually creating your art. And yeah, I mean, so much of what you do is about encouraging us to literally walk in wonder as a means of reconnecting to ourselves. How does finding wonder in the ordinary help us reconnect with ourselves and then ultimately maybe find our path? Oh, that's so good. I, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to decide where to start. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I guess what I, the reason why I think it's important is because when we walk in wonder and we open ourselves up to enchantment, we notice what we're moved by. We notice what sends the shivers up our spine or makes us stop and like gasp in amazement. And we notice all these things that really evoke emotions in us. And when we do, we become more sensitive to what we like, what we're drawn to and what we're about. And I think that provides a lot of clues to who we are as a person and what 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 matters to us. Like for me, okay, personally, I'm very drawn to the fog. When the mist comes in in the evenings or mornings, I'm, I'm very drawn to it. And for a long time, I wondered why that was the case. And I realized the reason why I'm drawn to the fog and to the mist is because it makes the land so magical. It, it kind of blurs everything and it makes it sort of 
almost dreamy. And when I realized that, I realized that that's sort of how I like to look at the world around me, that there is, it's more magical than what I think it is or what it is if we just look at it with objective eyes. And I think that there's a lot of hidden magic in the ordinary. And so I realized that the mist, that being drawn to the mist was in a way, my soul is telling me that there's so much more amazement in the ordinary if we were just to open our eyes and to pay attention. So that's just one example. But if you kind of walk in wonder, be curious, notice what you notice and pay attention to what you're moved by, it will inevitably reveal, you know, who you are as a person and, and what matters to you in your life. Yeah. Can you talk about a time, so you're talking about the fog and being drawn to that. Can you maybe talk about a time that having a moment like that, or maybe it was that same moment, helped you maybe even make a decision about, you know, your life or your career? Does something come to mind? Yes. And it sort of happened in stages. I think I'm going to tell a story more of a recent epiphany. So I've been drawn to trees for a long time, right? It's been ever since I was a little kid and reading about, you know, faraway lands of magical trees and enchanted forests. So I'm I'm really drawn to that. I've always been drawn to that ever since I was a kid. And I've drawn trees a lot throughout my 10 years of being a, an artist. But it was only recently that that's all I've wanted to draw. And when I walk outside, when I take a walk, I feel like I always want to walk where there's trees. Or if we go on vacation, I always you know, try to go with their spores. And it made me realize that, you know, I love trees. I'm being, I'm very drawn to it. I want to paint more of it. I notice it everywhere I go. So why not just lean into it? Just, just do what I love. Just, just keep creating what I'm actually drawn to instead of fighting it. And, you know, whenever I take my sketchbook out and I, the only thing I want to draw is trees, it's fine. It's just lean into it. And, And that becomes my sort of like, you know, it becomes a unique stamp, I guess, the way the way I do things is there's always a tree element in a lot of my paintings. Yeah. And I'm thinking about like, you know, I'm just thinking about listeners who are in similar places where they're trying to choose a direction and, and how noticing what you're drawn to can help you. I mean, I've certainly had moments like that in my career, too, where I've noticed that there's a particular piece of my work that I've that I especially enjoy doing and time just seems like it's flying. And the more that you can amplify those things in your work, the yeah, theoretically, the happier you are, you know? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's like, whether you're an artist or not, I feel like we sometimes, I've heard this from many creative spirits, that the things that come easy to you, you always take for granted. You don't give them enough weight because it's like, oh, it's just easy. And But those are the things that you really have an opportunity to really make something with because it comes easy to you. You enjoy doing it and you're not afraid to spend time on it. Yeah, it's true though. We do we do discount those things that come easy to us. We're like, eh, whatever. That's just what I do when, when it has value to other people who to whom it is not necessarily easy for. Yeah. And I think that's part of walking and wonder is to just pay attention to the stuff that you know, you love that you naturally enjoy because sometimes we forget because, you know, in a digital world, we are always sort of, there's algorithms telling us what to look at, you know, like suggestions, recommendations from others, and they're not necessarily tied to what we truly want to be surrounded by. And going on a walk is a way to just unplug for all those sort of like mediated experiences and just, you know, be in touch with ourselves. 
Yeah, well, and I can share that I uh, did that yesterday using your Wonder Walking deck, which I want to talk about in a minute, (laughs) because I had come home from my office and I was just, I was cranky. Like I was just cranky. And yesterday was sort of, you know, it was a holiday for some people. And I, maybe I was cranky because I was working, but that was my choice. Uh, I hear (laughs) you. You know, and so I, I, so I pulled out your deck and I just sort of, you know, pulled a couple of cards and and I did go for a walk and it really did change. It, 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 I was much more present on the walk. Actually, before I ramble on about that, can you just briefly share with my listeners what your Wonder Walking deck is and what it's meant to help people do? Yeah. So I made a deck of cards. There are 48 cards in it and they're called Wonder Walking cards because there's a word on each card and you can shuffle the deck of cards like you would oracle cards or tarot cards or playing cards and you would draw a card and there's a word prominent there's a picture an image that I painted and let it inspire your walk for the day so for example if you draw the card that says portals so you'd go on a walk and see if you can notice any gateways any arches into you know doorways into something else uh, holes in trees places that invite you to step through and, and sort of think about it. What does it mean to your life at the moment? And just have fun with it. And these cards I made because sometimes we forget to be present, right? We forget to be present. We forget to be imaginative. We're just kind of, you know, going about our everyday lives on autopilot. And so the cards are meant to just kind of reconnect us with our tangible world, reconnect us with who we are and teach us to be a little bit creative in the way we think and see the world around us. Well, that's exactly what I experienced too, is, you know, it gave me an anchor, I think, you know, because I go for walks and I go for runs, like that's a normal part of what I do during the week. But it it gave me an anchor. So one of the cards I pulled was, I think it was just sunshine or sun. Oh, cool. (laughs) Right? Yeah. And it Mm -hmm. was, it would happen to be a sunny day in Seattle. (laughs) And so I sort of focused on noticing how the sun was, you know, coming through the trees and like that was, I was, right? (laughs) That was a very simple way to bring presence to something that I might have done without actually being present, you know, because sometimes you can walk and your brain is spinning and all of the things. <laughs> yes. Right? Like walking, like, you know, how we walk away from our cars without even realizing if we had locked a car. Yes. Yeah. I mean, how many times have we done that? And I've done that so many times. It's like we're, it becomes automatic. Some of these everyday things. And especially if we go for a walk every day and we look at the same surroundings, we just don't see them anymore. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. I actually noticed a few, there were two different sculptures in uh, like backyards of my neighbors that I had never noticed before. <laughs> and I noticed them. So yeah. yeah so thank I you for that. Happens. that. Oh, I'm so glad to hear. I hope it, it's, it's fun to, to watch somebody on their first, their first experience with the deck. There's so many more cards to go. So I'm excited for you. <laughs> yeah. They're super beautiful. Well, and, and so let's talk about the deck because one of the things that you shared with me when we spoke last week was that um, just about getting the deck funded on Kickstarter and how that was really a turning point for you as a as an entrepreneur and how it helped clarify your mission. What was that like? Oh, gosh. Oh, it was amazing. I, mean, I had never done anything like that. Obviously, it was my first Kickstarter, but I don't know how much people know about it, but it is a giant endeavor. It's It's a lot of work. You've got to advertise before to make sure you have enough people to even pay attention to the campaign. And then it's not like an Indiegogo campaign where you just, you get whatever money you raised in a Kickstarter campaign. It's all or nothing. So it's basically like a leap of faith, 
right? So there's a lot of metaphor behind it as well. So you have to get people to believe in it to spend the money on your vision. And then if you don't meet your target, you don't get any of it. So I had to go in with eyes wide open and be realistic, but at the same time, dream big. But also it showed me that I was willing to do the work. I love this project so much. I love this idea that I can get people to go out for walks. I love this so much that I'm willing to do all the work for it. And that was one thing that was very satisfying to find out about myself. But also it rallied uh, a lot of people that I that I didn't realize was following me around my work. I, I, I just hadn't realized that I actually had people f- that were excited and were waiting for something like that from me. And they came together and I was 50% funded on the first day. It was crazy. And before that, I was sort of like, you know, trying all sorts of different things. And I had a small group of people that were excited. I just didn't know that I had that kind of following to make the Kickstarter happen. Well, and tell me about sort of how did that help you get clear on your mission? Just in, was it in terms of because you then saw all these people who were supporting you and, and that be, it became clear that this was the direction to go? Is that what you meant? I think it was because I realized that rather than it being a stressful campaign, like as campaigns like that can be, I was actually very rejuvenated by it and I enjoyed it. And I, it made me realize that I, I want to do this work. I'm willing to do this work. I'm willing to go the distance for the cars. I'm willing to go the distance for the mission of getting people out wonder walking because of the work that I was willing to go through to make that happen. And then as well, seeing that people were responding to it. So it's a, like coming from two ways, right? The fact that I was willing to do the work because you know how they say that if you're in business to do something, if you're not, if you're not excited or passionate about it, then you shouldn't do it because when you have to market or sell it, there's a lot of work involved. If you don't believe in your work, you can't back it up with hard work, then it's not where you're meant to be. And I realized that this is exactly what I want to do because I'm willing to do the work. I'm willing, even if it's hard, uh, even if I have to show up every day to talk about it. And to see that people responded to it was sort of like a confirmation that this is what I meant to be doing. Right. Yeah, that sort of it gives you energy when your community rises up like that. That's that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, being an artist is not, you know, it's not something that I mean, a lot of people are artists, but not that many, at least that I know, are making a living doing art. And I mean, it's it's a path that you don't see all that often, right? So I'm curious, given that, how for you, creativity and bravery and courage have been important for you as you've, you know, blazed this trail of your own? Oh, that's, it's tough. Well, one thing about being an artist is it's not, from what I hear from other artists is in general, it's not something that you choose to be, it sort of chooses you. So there was a point in my life that I was a designer, was more of a designer. And I realized at that turning point, I guess the difference between being a designer and being a fine artist is that as a designer, you're working off of a brief, you're designing for someone else. And where I am right now in my creative career, I'm actually designing for myself. And at turning point, I realized that being a designer is not really what I wanted to do. I wanted to paint for myself. And, And there's a lot of courage, I guess, involved in taking that step because you're sort of no longer 
working off of a brief, you're working off of your own brief or what you what you want to paint, how you see the world. And that's scary because it's all wrapped up in the, your self-worth and your values. And then you make your art and you put it out there. It's like, well, is anyone going to like it? You know, it's a lot scarier than being a designer where you just make stuff to, like you're designing a website for someone and whether it fulfills their goals of getting their, you know, their work out there. So it's different because now I have to confront who I am as a person (laughs) when I make my art. And it is a lot scarier, but it also means that I can be a lot more creative. I can can push boundaries a little bit because I'm not under anyone else's guidelines. I'm under my own. I can blaze my own trail. I can do my own thing. I I used to wish when I was designing stationery for other people that I wish I could do it for myself. But at that time, 10 years ago, I didn't know what my worldview was. I didn't really know what I stood for. And then now with the Wonder Walking deck and the books I'm making, I realized that, oh, I'm, I'm right here, but I wish I was 10 years ago making this stuff for myself for my mission, for the world that I want to create. And it's taken me long, a long time to get here. But yeah, I guess it's been worth it. It's funny. I was just listening to you talk about that in terms of putting your art out there and, and just the the courage that comes from that. I was I was actually talking to a friend of mine the other day who, I mean, I think everyone is creative. Like, I, I, I mean, I personally do. But she's not someone that identifies as creative. She's more, you know, sort of logical and works in a science space and and she was talking about how amazing it was to her to work in a creative field and and mm. and how did you you know like how did you yeah how did you find the courage to do that and I was sort of explaining to her that yeah when you put stuff out in the world it feels like all of a sudden it's no longer yours like you you put it up there and people react to it and it changes and it means what it means to them and mm-hmm. takes on a life of its own yes absolutely and there's there's freedom and there's also fear in that so much fear in that so much fear and and you know when I was so I just finished this what I call the explorer's journal which is the companion guidebook to the deck of wonder walking cards and in the last 10% of writing that book I froze up and I and I looked it up and I found out that this is actually pretty common it's like a a writer's block for finishing books (laughs) and you get that at the, the final stage it's like oh my gosh you know, what is the world going to think of this when I release it? And are they going to like it? All that sort of, and it's paralyzing. It really is is so paralyzing. And I, I hats off to everyone who's ever put books out there. <laughs> <laughs> How did you get through it? Oh my goodness. I, first of all, this was part of the Kickstarter campaign. So because of the Kickstarter campaign, I knew there were people who had pre-ordered and were waiting for it. And the other thing was I hired an editor, a copy editor, so without, I, I had one more chapter to go and I couldn't finish it because I was, because in this block, I hired an editor and basically when I hired the editor, I knew I had to work with her deadline. <laughs> so, so that helped. Whatever works, right? Totally. Like, I'm all about deadlines too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anything at this stage is to whatever I can get hold of. I wrote my book in a coffee shop with a band playing all around me. So it's because it's like, it's sometimes being alone at home makes it really difficult to sort of do stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm the same way. I'm curious, what what do people often get wrong about you or your work? Uh, I'm presuming because I don't know. And I'm sort of reading between the lines of what people tell me after. I think a lot of people at first contact 
consider my work just on a visual aspect of it. But there's so much that matters to me beyond just the visual part. I'm very interested in the process behind engaging a piece of art or engaging um you know, experiences. So if you, if you're like, if your first encounter with my work was a painting on a wall and that was the only impression you took away, I feel like that will be very sad because that's only like 10% of what I'm about. <laughs> Cause I, even though I consider myself a painter, my paintings are just like scratching the surface. And it's also where I am in my career. I want to take my, the world I'm building beyond just two dimensional pieces on a wall I want to make, create experiences for people. And one of the reasons why I made the card deck is, is because these could be paintings, but I wanted people to be able to draw the cards and take them outside and interact with them in a space of their own so that it becomes, you know, more dimensional rather than just buying a print of mine and putting it up on the wall. There's very limited interaction that you can have with a painting on a wall, uh, for me at least. <laughs> but with a card deck, you can you can bring it along with you. you. You engage the world in so many other ways. And the same thing with the book, which is why I love books. You engage, you can take it with you, you can, you can write in it, you engage it in many ways. And in the future, I do see my art as being more dimensional and I'm, I'm trying to figure all that out. And I was, well, the reason, okay, a little background, the reason why I think about all this is because I was trained as an architect. Oh, so, I did not know that about you. Yeah, <laughs> I was. I, I actually, um, I spent 12 years in the architecture profession, six of them in school and six of them in the working world. And so I still think very dimensionally, even though I work two dimensions right now on paintings. But I feel like art experiences for me, the richest form of art experiences are dimensional and interactive. So I hope to someday lend more in that space. I'm starting small. So cart decks first. <laughs> yeah, well, and I'll add too that I think through the card deck, you, you're you encouraging us to sort of almost step into the worlds that you're creating, right? Which is really the, the, the real world around us because that's where you're drawing inspiration. So I think in that way, you're making it a 3D experience. It's not just the you know, right? I mean, it's not just the cars themselves. <laughs> I love how you put that. That's, <laughs> yeah. I'm glad. I'm, yeah, that's that's what I'm hoping for them to create, like, you know, to see the art in there every day. Yeah, absolutely. I think you've achieved that for sure. Even before I was aware of the cards, I mean, I think that the images you're creating, especially for those of us who are, have always been drawn to that kind of seeing the the wonder in the real world, you know, it, I think even that makes you think about like what what's what you're surrounded with. I'm curious about, you know, you you actually mentioned something recently on Instagram about your how your partner makes you more adventurous. And so it made me wonder how you think the people in our lives contribute to our ability to blaze our own trail. So well, I guess I'll start with spouses or life partners or people that you spend find that you spend a lot of time with. For example, I recently went on a walk with a friend. Uh, she's also an artist, but she makes ceramics. So she's a uh, pottery artist as opposed to, you know, like a painter. So we went on a walk together on a beach and it was interesting to see what she was picking up and drawing inspiration from. And she would pick up stuff and she would she was pointing out that, oh, you know, look at these little holes in the rocks. They're actually made by these little worms. And I, had, I didn't know that. And it was very interesting because going on a walk with her and same thing with going on a walk with my husband, he'll point out stuff that I didn't notice. 
and we'll look at it together and it will sort of merge our viewpoints. And so that per the other person's ideas and the way they see the world start to sort of marry ours, like merge with ours, and then we'll start to see the world in a more enriched way. So I feel like in that sense, if the more you kind of fold people into your experiences uh, or, or, you know, in your walks, then the more you're able to enrich the way you see the world. And, and when you enrich the way you see the world, you become, you think a little bit more creatively and you form more original thoughts and you're able to kind of come up with ideas that are sort of uniquely your own. So the way my husband influences me, like I would be a different person. My work would not be the same if I hadn't met him because it would come out completely different. Does that make sense? It does. <laughs> it makes total sense. I also think it, what I'm hearing is it, you know, it perhaps helps you see opportunities that you wouldn't necessarily see. Yeah. Yeah. And there's sort of like, a, it's sometimes they might articulate things better than we can. You know, like how you watch a movie, go like, I like to do this. I go watch a movie and I come back and I'm really excited and I have all these feelings and thoughts that I don't always know how to put into words, but I'll read reviews about it. And all of a sudden it's like, yes, that's, that's exactly how I feel. But you say it so much better. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I can so relate to that. It's like, you're like, wait, yes, that's exactly what I was trying to say. (laughs) Right. And and I feel like in the same way, uh, the people that come into your life, they sort of echo uh, or support um, and bring new things as well, but to also support the stuff that you already know about yourself. Yeah, it's funny. That's hitting home with me right now because I feel like it can be easy as a business owner when you're doing your own thing to forget the value of asking for outside opinions and asking for help and, you know, all of the things that we, for some reason are hesitant to do sometimes because it feels, it feels vulnerable, I guess. It feels vulnerable. And also we can't see the forest for the trees. You know, we're so close to it, but somebody else around us can see it. And the interesting thing is like, so I, my husband um, has on several occasions mentioned this. Um, He, you know, there's a movie out about Van Gogh. Oh, Yes. I, I don't remember what it's called. I can't I what it's seen, called either. <laughs> yeah, I have been wanting to watch it and waiting for it to come to streaming. Um, and so my husband and I were supposed to go and see the movie together, but he somehow managed to catch it on a plane ride. And so I asked him, so what did you think of the movie? And he said, well, he reminds me a lot about you. And I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> That's a compliment. It's, yeah, that's a compliment. And, it's, and it, he said the same thing after he read the book, Anna Green, Green Gables. And he's like, oh, she reminds oh, me I so much about book. you. I know. We, I can talk about that book for ages. And it's like, wow, honey. And it's like, it's so wonderful for to know that he sees me the way I hope to be seen. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's so I love that. That's really that's really cool. You know, I would be remiss if we didn't talk at least a little bit about self-care because I am curious. You said something to me specifically about how inertia gets in the way of self-care. Can you tell me what you meant by that? Oh yeah. Um I heard <laughs> so there was like I heard like pain in that. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is it is a personal struggle and Recently, I found out that it is a personal struggle for a lot of people. And so inertia for me, it's kind of sad because I love to be outdoors. I love walking. I love riding. I love running uh, outdoors, but I don't always feel like it. And I think it's because I get comfortable very easily in my, uh, my environment and I don't want to be moved. 
And so we live in California. So the weather is not an excuse. There's no reason why I can't go out and walk or cycle or run, you know, all year round. But there are times where I just don't want to go, whether it's because I'm stressed out and I have too much work to do or um, I'm not feeling well. But there are days, there are times in our lives where inertia is going to kick our, you know, behinds. (laughs) And so one of the things that I that's important to me in self-care is to create systems around that, you know, to know what to do when I'm in that mode where I I just don't feel like going out, but I know that it will help me. I know that it would be great for my soul, great for my body and my mind. I always get ideas when I'm out walking. I'm a lot more creative because I'm relaxed as I'm walking. So I, my ideas come easily. So I create systems for myself to make that happen. And one of the systems is the cart deck is an incentive. So that's one of my sort of workarounds. If I if I go out with the cards, then it's like, okay, you know, I it's something fun I look that I look forward to. And having some things I want to do outdoors, like um, you know, taking pictures or bringing my camera along or bringing my sketchbook along so that I make it more of an interesting outing. And I think inertia also happens when we're sort of like tired of doing the same thing over and over you know like I always go for the same walk around the block or the same ride and so I I don't want to go because it's like it's boring so having something to look forward to making it exciting helps me to get out the door and so things like that and having my sort of my walking kit my adventure kit hanging on the next to the door so that I know that I have what I need I can just grab and go So whatever, if you have problems like I do with going outside, I recommend setting up some systems (laughs) to work around it. And recently I heard that it's a real thing. Like people struggle with it. And uh, and, uh, the touching thing about people who reached out to me to share that their stories is a lot of times when it happens to them, it's because they're in a really difficult place right now. I've, I've heard from people whose uh, spouses have passed away or they've had cancer and they're in recovery and it, it's really hard for them to, to, you know, muster up the energy to go out. I mean, these are real problems. These are difficult obstacles. It's, it's not just like, I don't feel like it today. It's, it's, there's a lot more re- reasons why they can't do that. And, and so it makes me, it's now become sort of like a mission for me to see how I can, by, by helping myself to figure out ways that other people, the tips and tools that they can use so that they can, you know, do the same thing. Yeah. Well, and I encourage anyone who, who feels that way sometimes, because yes, it is as someone who has been a health coach for executive women for a very long time, I can absolutely attribute to the fact that I think nearly everyone experiences that at some point. I mean, I certainly do still. And I think, you know, I encourage everyone to, to, get your wonder walking deck, you know, if they're at all drawn to that, because I do think there's something about making the activity of moving your body about something else (laughs) and sort of disrupting that sort of like, oh, it feels like a chore. Yeah. Right. You know, you you trick your brain into moving or or you trick your brain into getting your body to move. (laughs) Yeah. Basically. Oh, I love that. Yes. It's like, I know I need exercise. I need to go for a walk, but it's like, oh, I'm going to see the same thing. I mean, it's like, you know, especially if it's the weather is not cool. It's like, it's dreary out there. Like, do I really want to go for a walk? You know, there's, yes. Oh, thank you for that. I love how you put that. 
Oh, good. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that's I think that's definitely a gift that you that you are giving people for sure. Are there any other self-care practices besides exercise that come up for you that help you feel centered and able to, you know, do life? Yes, I do. I, I do meditate. I have a meditative practice, but sometimes my meditative practice is a bike ride because like whatever, I feel like whatever you can put yourself in that's repetitious and requires you to do nothing but listen to your own breathing, it's meditative. And uh, swimming is like that for me. Running is like that for me. So you don't have to, I don't believe meditating needs to be just sitting in one spot for 10 minutes, although I have done that. But when I'm running or I'm writing and I'm just listening to my breath, it sort of forces me to be like, you know, I'm not as worked up and I'm not thinking about other things. And so I sort of like relax into the present. So that's one thing. And the other thing is if you can do something creative, whether it's go to a pottery class and make something with your hands, get some watercolors and just do some painting. Uh, Or if you like to write poetry, maybe start a journal or or a a notebook where you can write some poetry and anything that's creative play. So just play is important because I think those are one of the few moments that I just stop thinking about everything that's bothering me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's, I think that's right. And, and I actually, I have a book sitting on my coffee table that I have not read yet. And now I'm going to forget. I think it's, I think it's called how to do nothing. And it oh, was on, it was, it. <laughs> yeah, it was, I can't remember the author's name, but someone um, gifted it to me recently. And it was, she had read about it on a list of books that President Obama posted, uh, like the books that he read in 2019 or something like that. Anyway, but yes, and it's, I think, you know, how to do nothing, you know, there's there's something about, not that creativity and art is nothing, but there's something about the, the just playing and turning yeah, your brain off. Yeah, just playing, turning yeah. your brain off. The, so I think part of that's all wrapped up in creating sort of white space or stillness or, you know, sort of that, that daydreaming time that we used to have before we had phones. You know, we would just sit around and twiddle our thumbs or, you know, sketch and doodle. We don't really do that anymore because for a lot of people, myself included, when we're bored, while well, mind wanders, we just pick up the phone and check something. <laughs> and I think that is really dangerous. I am, and this year I'm working really hard to not to do that. It's, it's not easy. And so I'm glad I have my art because for a lot of people, if they don't paint or they don't have something to occupy their, their time and create this white space, then, you know, we don't, we're not listening to ourselves. So if you're not walking, you're not making things. It's like there's no, we're not listening to ourselves, and that's really scary because like we just lose touch of what is right or wrong and what is true, and you know how to be creative and things like that. So yeah, so whatever you can do to create create white space, you know whether it's picking up knitting needles or just sit in a on a window the window still, just look outside, look at the moon, look at the stars. Yeah, I often have to remind myself it's okay to be bored. It's okay, okay to it's be okay bored. To be bored. <laughs> it's important. It's so important to be bored. And we're, we're all, especially if you're as an entrepreneur, right? It's like you feel like you have to pack your day with stuff. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Amy. Where, where can people learn about you and your work? The best place to go is my website, amytwan.com. I have a blog. You can also look through my gallery and my shop to see what I'm doing. And if you're on Instagram, that's also a really good place because I am 
much more updated on Instagram than I am on my website. And I do share stories of my walks and I share paintings, um, stuff I'm working on right now. And if you get on my email list, I send emails as well about that. But yeah. I love your Instagram feed. It's so beautiful. It makes <laughs> me so <you>. happy. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad. And it's, I'm glad because there's, there's some noisy world out there. So I'm honored whenever someone chooses to follow me. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time, Amy. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. It was fun chatting. That's it for this week's episode of Women on the Rise. If you're ready now to wake up with the energy, clarity, and confidence to take on your goals, visit lauradolch.com slash women on the rise to get a few resources I pulled together just for Women on the Rise listeners. For show notes and resources mentioned in this episode, visit lauradolch.com slash podcast. If you'd like to support the work we do on the podcast, leave a rating or review wherever you listen, subscribe to the show, share episodes on social media or with your friends, and use the discount codes from our sponsors. It's all a huge help to the show and I truly appreciate it. This episode was produced by me with editing help from the team at Lens Group Media.